did struggle with that to try and come across. Um, and at the same, same time, it was a couple of steps forward, step back. Some things worked, some didn't. Um, until we finally figured out, and it wasn't actually until I just said I've had enough, no, and no more synthetics. And that, that was surprisingly, that's what did the trick when I said no more, and we just went for it. And, and, yes. <laughs> and, and it was, for a while there, I was just tip, tiptoeing along, and it was just like, this, this is crazy. Like, doubting yourself. Doubting myself. I was sure. <laughs> I was wanting, I wanted to get rid of it, I hated it, any sort of synthetic input, and then, and then trying to let go, and then. And in the end, once I let go, everything fell into place. And so I think like, there was a, something to take out of that. And that's something I'd love to be able to tell people that's what we need to do. And not to give up cold turkey, but you've just got to back yourself. The Biological Farming Roundtable podcast helps farmers explore innovative, low input, regenerative, and profitable farming systems. The Biological Farming Roundtable is sponsored by Nutrisoil, an award-winning biological liquid fertiliser made from a big worm farm. Nutrisoil's purpose is to empower farmers to produce life-enriching food. My name is Nicola Maddock. I work at Nutrisoil. I envisage a future where farmers are rewarded for producing nutrient-rich foods and consumers have this easily available to them. Hello everyone, Nicola here from Nutrisoil. I am here today with James Slattery, co-founder of Natural Intelligence Farming, and Dale Retschlag from Central Queensland in Billawila. We came up to Rockhampton to do an event, uh, tapping into natural intelligence farming with Di and Ian Haggerty. Uh, and Dale was the one that invited us up here. We did it in partnership with CQLA Alliance, which is a really progressive farming group up here in Central Queensland in regenerative agriculture. Um, we've had a great day and we've just now been out on Dale's farm and had a really good intense session with a couple of people who were sort of hanging on from the day. Uh, so Dale, tell us firstly about your amazing group, CQ, Central Queensland. Yep, CQLA. Yes, CQLA. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so the group formed back in 2020 and it was just a group of friends that we all just got together and we're all into the regenerative um, going down the regenerative pathway and, and we just, we felt that there was a need to do it as a group to get that um, support from each other and so it was a closed group to start with, we only had nine of us in it and uh, as we got going we just realised like there was a need for it and there was a calling and, and, and from there it's just growing so as we stand today we've got, well, up until yesterday we had 65 members and that's, I think that's increased a fair bit over the, <laughs> over the course of the day yesterday so. Uh, yeah, that's what it was about. It was about bringing regenerative um, education to Central Queensland. It was a great day. So we had Diane and Jane talking on their farming system and the importance of um, working with nature and working with people, which is the side that Jane works with. Mm. But we also had Emma from your group working, uh, talking to us about holistic health and mm. connecting that. And some of the conversations that came out of the day and the things that we talked about in such a large group was amazing. Mm. Like you're very, you're very open and progressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The idea when we formed the group, like what, what do we stand for? And that was the biggest. What, what do we really want out of this? And we spent a lot of time talking about it. And what we decided had to be a community orientated group. Like it wasn't just for farmers. It's everyone involved. And that's where Emma came in. There. Emma's not. The family's from a farming background, but she's not a farmer herself. So she works on that human health element that I think is lacking, and that's where we're all doing. Like a lot of time, farmers forget that they're producing uh, food you know, that, that we actually have to consume, and 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 at the end result, sometimes detrimental to our health. Not sometimes, but just about everywhere is detrimental to our health now. So Emma brought that to us. Like she she could, she's been studying it for a long time. She's working with it, and she's talking about the gut microbiome and. and that just played along with where we're going with the regenerative process. So having her here is part of it. That's, that's, that's part of bringing the community together. So that's that's why we've got her in there. Absolutely. Just uh, how the disconnection of microbes in the human body can mm. cause illness and the disconnection of microbes in the soil is also causing the soil illness. Mm. And the connection that it's actually humans, the decisions yes. that humans are making yes. that's causing this. Um, and this, yeah, the regenerative movement is bringing uh, people's decision making, 
um, people's the awareness of health and farming altogether. And it's just absolutely amazing. Yes, that's yeah. right. Firstly, I'd like to hear Dale how you came to regenerative agriculture because you weren't always, uh, you were quite a conventional farmer. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I started, um, grew up on a dairy farm, small beef farm in, in Kilcoy, southeast Queensland. Um, and I was fortunate enough that my grandfather was still uh, traditional in his farming methods. And, that, and traditional, I meant he, he, he was against chemicals and, and synthetic fertilizer inputs he'd like to do it the, the old-fashioned way so that was rotation in crops livestock multiple different animals and so seeing that I was only young and I can I can always remember it you know and and so we went on to with my father's generation where they pursued the synthetics and the hyper higher production in the landscape going to monocultures that type of thing and so I actually was fortunate enough to witness the change and, and that was sort of what sparked a lot of the interest for me. So I always wanted to be able to, I couldn't understand why, like why we couldn't do it like the old way, why we had to be putting in so many inputs. And I farmed traditionally like that. So we were on the dairy for years, bought the dairy after deregulation, left the dairy, and then ended up buying a Lucent farm in central Queensland, Eidsvold, so a small um, irrigation block, it was only small. And we started doing hay, hay production there, just cutting small squares and that, started doing it the same way but I was fortunate enough when I went there to meet a really nice old agronomist called Tony DeVille and Tony was the one that started me on the regen path. He started to get me to question why we do what we do and, and made me think about where we headed with this. So um, that was interesting and, and he's most, um, I think the most profound influence he had on me was when he first suggested that I I was complaining about using an excessive amount of insecticides on the loosen and, and uh, he just said it was management and I, I couldn't understand what he was talking about. I said, well, I'm doing it when it's supposed to be done. And he said, no, no, he said, your place is too neat. He said, you're not letting um, beneficial insects attack and, and suppress the, uh, um, the, the predators. In the, and, he, and he'd end up just telling me, he said, just change your method. So he said, just keep some of the place so that there's a, a part of the place unmowed. So that the beneficials can live somewhere and then they can support um, you in, in, in the endeavours to try and, and suppress any insects that pressure you have. So I was doing six to seven sprays a season on this lease and just to keep it under control, thinking I was doing a good job. Then I went over to his method and what he told me to do and then all of a sudden I'm down to one spray. And so that was my moment when I realised yeah, we've got to change what we're doing. So all of a sudden it was a win-win, not only financially, but just in the management, everything else was right. I, had to, I didn't have to be around chemicals, which is just something I didn't agree with. And it's got to the point now that we've moved further on from that, that if I can still grow loose, and no, I'm not cutting it, I'm just grazing it, but I've got insects in there, but I don't have problems with insect attack. They're not doing anything that can cause me to ever want to spray. So that was just building that system, and that was the start of it back then. We've uh, been able to go out and, and look at your farming system today. We've had a lovely drive around, some sit in the paddocks with, with some friends of yours in the group. Um, Jane, you first came across the cattle and, and realised that there were some things that we could observe that might have helped Dale. Um, what type of things do you think uh, we saw and, and what did we work through? Well, when we drove out there, we could see that the cattle weren't well, moving, so they weren't really happy. And Dale explained, because of the extensive growth and trying to manage the grazing of, so they'll basically in, I mean, I was just learning about this today, but it was a stage three pasture. And so they were probably really wanting what was, they'd been cut off from, um, but they still had a lot that they needed to work through there. They just didn't seem settled in themselves and they all knew that, um, but it was how do we, I was trying to probably get everybody, or more so Dale, just to look at it from a different perspective and what other ways could we maybe get them to utilise that pasture that's in there because it all looks fine um, and there is that diversity and so we started talking about um, maybe what things can be changed through the caretaker to see what response we can get back and whether the, the animals would respond. 
whether they would indicate something different by doing, um, yeah, but just, just by the, the caretaker understanding something that maybe they hadn't understood before. Uh, how do you normally manage your pasture, pasture, Dale? Is it just grazing or are you putting any inputs out there? Yeah, so I'll just take it back a step. Uh, so when we came to this place, I was well and truly un, in the regen journey by then and, and I, I realised that the quickest way to get to a healthier soil is to reintroduce livestock. So this place was doing crops and cattle, but a, a lot of the irrigation areas was all just crops. So turning that back over to livestock. So, and then straight away we went into a, a, um, a multi-species system and just grazing it. And uh, so we just we just run a rotation cell grazing system um, and, and just get the cattle to do the work. So they, they're getting, speeding up the nutrient cycling process. And it was a system uh, that are very basic. I'm big on just keeping it very simple um, and work work with the livestock so that they're trying to keep them in, in harmony, like to work with them, not against them. So that's in, in my own way. So we use working good working dogs that are soft in, in nature as well. Not, they're not hard, not aggressive animals. So that's just so they're there just to to um, usher the mob when you shift them. They're not actually there to force them. And then that's that's a big thing of part of it. So we, we do a shift every day, shifting cattle through the pastures. Um, and and at the moment we're just trying to go over to a more of a perennial base in our pastures, just one for efficiency, but also one to get um, more diversity into the system. Are you oversowing those perennials? Yeah, so we've got a, yeah, a perennials and then we do a winter oversow, so it's a 12 to 13 way mix depending on it and it's something we play with every year, just still trying to get a, a better thing and I'm trying to balance what the cattle want to get a, a better diet for them and, and better diet I mean like, to balance the protein energy with the fibre content, it's something I've had a bit of a challenge with, especially towards the latter part of winter, when it's not when, you, when you've got a lot of uh, uh, high energy plants growing and not a lot of fibre in it. Um, and so we, we do that and then we've basically given up all synthetic use. We stopped that several years ago, so we were still applying it and it was a hard step to go across initially, but as we got into it further I understood how soils function more it became a lot easier. So now it's just it's just using um, vermicast um, extract um, and uh, a little bit of fish and a few other amendments and some, some trace minerals in it. And that's basically all it gets down. What was the hard part? You said it was hard to transition yeah. from your synthetic fertilizer. Yeah, well, it's interesting, and, and this is nothing against previous owners or anything like that, but the place was managed just how most farms conventionally were. So it was high inputs over the years synthetic use and and the soils on the chemical side of things were very out of balance so it was just um, completely in a way that the soils shouldn't really function it was very low very low quality of feed was coming off it and even with synthetic inputs it was limiting so the, the hard thing was to try and build biology and good biology and trying to get that fungi in the soil built up so that you can get that functioning better and of course like livestock is part of it but it did help but not enough so um, that was our big challenge. So it was just trying to get weaned off synthetics, maintain production because none of this is um, it's all irrelevant if you can't stay profitable. So we had to try and maintain profitability. So yeah, maintain profitability while you're transitioning transition. from the artificial to the natural. Exactly right, yeah. Jane. Exactly. Yeah. That was the big challenge. So, and 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 it did, it did. We did struggle with that to try and come across. Um, and at the same same time, it was a couple of steps forward, step back. Some things worked, some didn't, um, until we finally figured out, and it wasn't actually until I just said, I've had enough, no, and no more synthetics. And that, that was, surprisingly, that's what did the trick when I said no more, and we just went for it. And, Non-negotiable. And, yes. <laughs> and, and it was, for a while there, I was just tiptoeing along, and it was just like, this, this is crazy. Like, doubting yourself. Doubting myself. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was wanting... I wanted to get rid of it. I hated it. Any sort of synthetic input, and then and then trying to let go, and then and 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 in the end, once I let go, everything fell into place. And yeah. so I'm thinking, like, there was a something to take out of that, and that's something I'd love to be able to tell people. That's what we need to do, and not to give up cold turkey, but you've just got to back this off. And yeah. that's going back to what our regen group does. That's what we are about: is to try and offer that support. And uh, and, and, and and also back yourself, but believe in yourself. That's believe right. in believe. Yeah. Yeah. 
start to actually connect right. in with that that wisdom, mm-hmm. that natural intelligence. Yeah, that's right. And I honestly, yeah, I, I believe that I, I didn't back myself enough. I, yeah, I, I doubted what I was like. I I never doubted that the system, but I doubted my ability to do it on my place, and uh, that that's probably was my downfall on any on anything the decision I made. So yeah, in the future it was just like have the confidence, back yourself. You know it's going to work. We know we're doing the right thing. We're doing good for not only the soil, the animals. It'll all fall into place. And the animals look amazing, mm. and the pasture really does look amazing. Yeah. Especially when we drove over that, <laughs> when we drove over that section, and our skills got out the car and went, oh, wow, that felt amazing driving. When we over. started going into that paddock, our conversation started to get even better. I don't know if you noticed oh, that. Oh, it did. But it we did. started to open up, and it was just that feeling of opening up into that beautiful paddock. Um, but I want to talk about you. You arrived and you said it was very run down. Even when you look at your soil test, you're high magnesium soil and you're low sulfur, is that right? Um, yeah, so yeah, um, sulfur's low. There's a lot, lot. There's basically, honest, if you do a conventional soil test, there's nothing in the middle. It's either too excessive or too low. Yeah. I've got nothing. It was just like if I could just find one that was in the middle, it would have been nice. But it was just so out of balance. Yeah, you got no balance. That's just what I was going to yeah. say. You got no balance. Nothing at all. And, and you just like, and you, and you talk to it, a conventional agronomist, and they say, well, let's start with the most limiting factor. And you think, well, you know, how we can afford to do that? Like, we've got to address this calcium issue. You know, we've got low boron as well. And it just went on and on and on. And, and we just like, we could do it, but it's going to come at great expense. Mm. And, and that's when the biology was the game changer. So that, that's that's when we could say, well, you could finally let go. And when you, and where we fell down was a bit was when we're still using synthetic, which is actually inhibiting the biology. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the handbrake. So we got one foot on the accelerator, and the other ones have got the handbrake. Still got the handbrake off. So once we let the handbrake off, we're away. Yeah. Do you know, Dale, any parts of your farm or your neighbours where they haven't done uh, aggressive uh, cropping, high input? Is it still high magnesium soils, high pH? Is that just the natural way of the land here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's on a floodplain, so yeah, it's just the alkaline soils. Yeah. So that is that nature of the beast. But it's also, um, and it's just been, um, it's just been magnified. With, with synthetics to, to create a bigger problem. So, so previous owners uh, weren't able to address it. It's like they're all just about trying to get the next crop off, which is understandable. Everyone's just trying to make, make a bit out of it. So, but yeah, someone has to change it, otherwise it just becomes unviable. Mm-hmm. We talked out in the paddock that this is the natural landscape here, and mm-hmm. these are the natural soil types. And amazing abundant grass grows here without trucks of lime coming out. <laughs> so it really wasn't a profitable option to start trying to balance that soil. Yeah, it was. It was going to be a, a very expensive and a long road, a long and expensive road to go down if you want to do it. And I mean, it could be done and you may have to change your farming, what, what you're going to produce. Maybe you have to go under a more intensive system to, to increase production. But that wasn't me like my Parts really just working livestock. That's my thing. I um, wouldn't say that I'm a cropping person at all. But, uh, I just I love growing good quality feed, and I just want to uh, I shift cattle all day long. That's my passion. With good working dogs, you can't beat that. Yeah. The pastures were beautiful. Oh, they were in some areas, absolutely. And I think with your high rainfall, you had said some of them had gone past the stage that you wanted to, and that's why the cattle were mm-hmm. in that sort of stage three mm-hmm. paddock. Um, so the way you were managing it was you were letting them graze and then you were slashing it uh, and then moving them on. So it was a bit of a stage where you were just using them to get reset. Yeah, it was yeah. a reset and this is something I've never had to do. And I mean, this is a problem. One, we had a really good season, but also our soils are changing. So I just find that all of a sudden I just need more cattle like, to, to try and do what I'm still doing. So just growing more quality feed and the weight gains is better now than it was 12 months ago. So it's just like, that's all comes down to biology. It's all falling into place. So all of a sudden I've got a good problem. I've got excessive feed, which can be solved with more, more animals. And that's just, and that's all that was. And it, it, such a good summer, high rainfall, uh, it got away on me. So, and that's the first time I've ever had to actually slash or mow grass to try and get it back under control. Uh, I'm just like, and probably a good problem to have. But, mm. uh, 
that that's just what, what we had to do, and that's where you're seeing it today is, is just a, an example of something that we've had to um, address. It's not a bad problem, but it's it's just something that. Um, well, you've uh, got to be adaptable. Adaptable, and you've yeah. got to yeah. It's not a, a set program. No, that's you've right. You've got to work with what the conditions are and go with the flow. And that's what I find, Jane. I, with what we're trying to do here. It, it works so much better if you can stay flexible, mm. and that's in your whole grazing program. Don't be too regimental with it, and I, I just find that it's so much easier if you just let it go. Um, it's got to be graze hard, graze hard. But if you if you go a, a light graze, that's fine, and that's how nature works. It's up and down, it's roundabout. Take the good with the bad, and, yeah. and I find that's that that's fine. Don't stress over that, and that's one thing I don't stress over too much. As long as I know I've got the feed in front of me, that's all fine. And if you get a light graze, heavy graze, or how you do it. Providing your cattle are moving across the landscape, it all work out. And you did actually mention that you do have an indicator with your cattle that there is something that you watch, yeah. which is a bit of a guide for you. Yeah, so there's a, a, yeah, yeah, James. So there's a couple of things I watch, and that's um, firstly, how they settled. You know, when you go to shift the electric fence, I do it at the moment. I'm only once a day. Sometimes in the winter, I'll do it twice a day. And uh, once a day, I find uh, you go out there, and if they're looking at you when you come over towards the gate you know that they're missing something. They're not happy or like we saw today, they were restless, they were battling, you know, there's a few making, they're, they're just hecklers really, like they're not happy, they're not They're not making a big noise, but they're making They're just noise. talking to you. Yeah, they tell them, yeah. you know, like, come on, <laughs> this isn't funny anymore, sort of thing. So yeah, that's that's what I, that's the first indicator. That's the first thing I look at. And um, you can pick it straight away. When you get in tune with your cattle, the cattle are telling you what you want or what they want, and, and you just got to be able to react to it. So. Normally that's just whether they've been not fed enough. And if you go to shift them and they don't want to move, so all of a sudden the dogs are struggling to move them, then you know, well, okay, they got everything they wanted. They're they need of, to stay Yeah, they're them. still rubbing the sleep out of their eyes. They don't really want to get going. So that's that's a great <laughs> sign. Like I just, I love to see that. And, and it's and it's very calming across there. The dogs are even calmer when that's happening. So yeah, and so you've got that. The second thing I look at is, is their flank. So usually like how full they are, so normally if they're restless you can just tell straight away then you have a look at their, their gut it's not full they're not getting what they want or they haven't had sufficient um, intake of what they need and the third one is the manure which is a really important one so how is it soft hard and that gives you an idea of where you, you know the protein or whether there's the energies there to, in, the, in the plants to break down the protein or yeah the fiber so that's that's the three things i look at and that's if you can keep them in balance and keep it where i want to be you usually go okay yeah, and so if they were standing in grass that's up to their bellies or above and the manure is too firm, yes. you would just move them on because that's right. they're, yeah, they're signalling right. that. And that's where I'm at now, like yeah. that's why, and then that's why the mower's following the, the grazing because to get rid of that grass, to get it back down, to get it regrowing into that, you know, where it's more, uh, more uh, palatable to the stock. Yeah. yeah, so you're making up the difference for the extra cows that mm. you don't have at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I beg <laughs> Good them, management. Yeah. And it's something I don't, and I, and you could look at it as like, oh, well, it didn't work out too well this time, but I'm a big believer in, in, in reduced input, especially with machinery. Like, I shouldn't, like, if I was a good manager, like, I stayed on the ball with this but today, I wouldn't have to be running a mower there, you know, if I had sufficient stock. And that's what I try to aim for, that, that I'm burning diesel that I shouldn't really have to if, if, if I had the livestock to do the job. But it's just the way the season turns yeah, out. Yeah, but I'll probably disagree with that because yeah. you're doing what you need to do. You're in transition. Yeah. And you're not in a situation where you can just go and get the extra stock. Mm. You've got to work with what you're working with. You're still trying to build up and make sure you've got plenty of feed. Yeah. Um, you know, better to have too much than not mm. enough. Mm. Mm. Better to, for you to go in and do some slashing or mowing. Yeah. Um, or, you know, go and get too many and then all of a sudden find you've got enough. Yeah. So you're just trying to, to work a balance with your right. system. Yeah. And like I said, it's so. probably not a bad problem. Like no, it's, better not, be on it's actually a good it's yeah, problem. Yeah, it's, it's on the right, I'm on the right side of the feed scale. Yeah. I'd rather be on that side than have them stand in their bellow in the next morning because they didn't get enough the day before. That's, yeah. That'd be enough to cause a bit of stress. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And then from doing that slashing, you noticed that there was a lot of smothering of the green plants and they probably weren't coming through as quickly as you liked. So you talked about the potential of maybe putting out some molasses to break down um, that grass that was a bit, it, it wasn't really nutritious anymore and, and they just needed a bit of encouragement to break it down, maybe the cattle to eat it as well. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And we talked about you not doing that all the time, but it was just this situational time that you That's might right. choose to do something like that. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that we could say, oh, yeah, we could have, if that just lies there forever, you have nitrogen tie-up and all of that sort of things. But you think, well, if we could introduce something that could assist the microbial activity to, to break that down, whether it is molasses, an energy source, something like that, or you know, just a crop digester of some sort to... to to basically uh, speed up with the nature side. Yeah, the breakdown of the, yeah. of the fibre. Yeah. So ideally yeah. you would love it to go through the cow again. Yeah, would be ideal. But that's, so that's, the best option would be to go through the stock. The second best option is to break it down really quickly and get it back going and get that cycle happening. Yeah. yeah. That nature, nature cycle. You did tell us about a time when molasses might not have worked so well for you and how you used it. Do you want to share that story? Oh, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I could see the benefits of molasses and I was putting a little bit in and, and I, I got talking to someone, I can't remember who it was now, but they were using larger amounts and, and, and I did try it. Um, and we'd been doing a few um, fungi bac bacteria tests and, and we were getting better because when we came here, of course, being synthetic based before we end, it was very bacterial dominant soils. What tests were you using? How are you testing the, the um, bacteria-fungi ratio? Just through um, the microbiome yep. test, and uh, we did it, and, and yeah, it, it was coming up like from the, the fungi was coming up, so it was coming from a fairly low base, so it was very bacterial dominant, and then we were just through what we were doing, we we're actually increasing it, so we got to the point where we were nearly 50-50, basically 50-50 on it, so it, was, it wasn't ideal, but it was getting better, and then we ended up applying too much molasses so I, I made the mistake of too much of a good thing went, went too far yeah this is it works really well let's just put a bit more on and, a bit, I, more. and a bit more on it, yeah and more on effect and, and away we went and um and then all of a sudden I, I noticed on the next grazing I didn't get the response that I was getting so that was something and, and I can't remember I remember the the, the heifers weren't happy either, and I don't know, I can't remember at the time, but I remember something wasn't right, and I'm looking at it, something's not right, it's not growing, something's not lining up. So then I got another test done, and then all of a sudden, the, the fungus right back down, the bacteria was dominated again, and, and yeah, I'd, so I'd, I'd upset the balance too much. So we had to go back to the drawing room. So basically, just gave up, and then just kept doing everything else, what I was doing, and then the latest test showed me we back up to 50-50, so back to where I was. So, and that's only been, in a nine-month period that has happened. So it turned around again really quickly. But it's, it's a lesson learned, you know. You've just, you've got it. And, and, I'm, and I'm not beating myself up too much about it because I was happy that I was actually able to observe that. I sort of think, well, that was something that did good to come out of it, that I knew that there was a problem and we addressed it. So but I was happy about that. Yeah. And now you're using for your fertilizers. So once um, those green plants do come up out of that mulch, um, you'll go over with a worm liquid or a worm extract. What what are you using? At the moment, it's just a yeah liquid extract, yeah, and a little bit of fish fish hydrozolate. So doing that, um, and then I've run a couple of traces just as well um, when I have to, and um, so that that's all that's really that's all that's going into it. So um, and when we do a plant, like so to do a, a plant annual, then do it for a winter plant. It's we we run a. Um, um, uh, seed coating, so that's with Johnson Sioux, um, and, and again some uh, liquid extract, some uh, worm juice, and plant with worm juice, so it's around 50 litres down the furrow, and then um, I, I give it a little bit of um, soft rock phosphate goes down the chute, so that's been activated um, as well, so just to get a bit of um, phosphorus happening there, and a bit of calcium. Uh, and then after it's germinated, we go back over it with um, more worm juice. And I find that that works really well. That sort of two-week period after planting, germination, hit it again, and that's when it really takes off. So and follow it with a little bit of fishing, and that usually gets me through to my first grazing. And then after that, it's just one application between grazing, which is approximately every 30 days. Okay, and you've got your own worm farm. We went and had a look at it. You've done really well with that. Um, so how do you make the extract? So I, I keep it very basic. Like my idea, and I, I, uh, I spoke to a few different people, watched a lot of videos. That's where I've learned a lot of my things, just trying to follow people on, 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 on the internet. And, uh, and it came across this way of extracting it. And basically, it's, it's a simple, just put it into a, uh, 
a um, gauze bag that's used to compost teas and, and then just basically blow the, um, the extract, the biology off the extract. Um, and I do it straight away. So it's basically into an open shuttle and I'm not sure, I think it's around 30 kilos of extract to go into that shuttle to get the thousand litres and then it's straight out. I put it out straight away. And um, that's it's something very simple, works really well, basic. Those little bags that I use probably only cost a couple of dollars, bought them online and um, yeah, simple and it works. Mm. Works really well. Have you noticed the difference between when you were using the synthetic fertilisers to now using the worm products? Any difference in um, biomass, health of cattle? Yeah, definitely uh, the cattle have responded a lot better. And what I've noticed is from the dairying days, you know, everything was high inputs of uh, nitrogen. And I've read, you know, and you hear these stories about like there's a limit with synthetics. And that's what I've noticed this last year. Like, I think we would have, put, have to put on an incredible amount of nitrogen to grow the feed that we're growing now. And it's just like, there's a ceiling with nitrogen. Once you get to a point, it just cannot do anymore. And I'm just thinking, this is what we're finding with the biology. This problem I've got at the moment with excess grasses, it's just taken off. It's just, I don't know where the ceiling would be with biology. I don't think anyone knows, but I'm just thinking, if you can prime that system getting going. And, and it's not just the growth, it's the quality. So we're talking about bricks readings, because we've always had troubles with bricks here, low, low readings, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, not a lot of energy in the soil, something's not right, you know, and it's just trying to correct that and the biology slowly bringing that up. So I don't think you'd ever get high bricks readings with the, with the synthetic system at all. Yeah. And, and, and that shows with the cattle and the weight gains. Yeah, and they do look good. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a dig in your soil as well and it, it was, we found a few a few plates so you could see it was a bit compacted mm -hmm. um, and we recognised that it was a high magnesium soil so um, you are having trouble with nodulation mm -hmm. yeah so we talked about other things that you could do there yes you could put out calcium but it's probably you've tried that and it hasn't increased it um, and then we really sat down in a big circle and had a really nice chat about other things that we could do uh, to really help that soil mm. along. So the biology, so when we talk about natural intelligence farming, uh, there's the biology of, um, and the life force energy in the soil, uh, but really working with that has to do with the people. Um, I would say at the start, like I, I felt really confused like when James was trying to explain it, but it wasn't until actually we sat down on the ground, nice and calm, that it did start to make sense. Like is look at what, what what's going on, what are we doing, and, and why is this why is this happening, you know? And, and that, that that at the moment I think like that's where I've got to go next. I thought this is I got a lot out of that, you know. I, I still got a long way to go to understand it, but I thought that, that yeah, you certainly um, sparked my curiosity on that one. Yeah, and it was an interesting conversation mm. because there was some other people there that were with us. Mm. Um, so we had three females, four males, and. It was just interesting, the dialogue that mm. actually came from that. And how open. Oh, how open, yeah. yeah. So, and uh, interesting, you needed to ground yourself. You needed yes. to sit on the ground. Yeah. yeah. It's something I haven't done for a long time. Mm. And, and, then to, and not only that, I mean, if we could have got the footage of the cattle, like we were probably, what, 20, 30 metres from them, and the cattle, all of a sudden, they just settled and they sat down as well. I mean, what's going on here? But we weren't focused on the cattle, no, were we? we had our backs turned off. They we were just loving our um, presence and energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we, we turned around, we were just sitting down and asking questions. Like, mm. we asked if it was appropriate just to ask and understand a few things. Mm. And we were just in this little circle together, not even focused, not even looking at the cattle. Yep. And when everyone got up and turned around and looked, it was like, oh, wow, what's yep. happened there? And we just had to sit down, chewing the cud. Yeah, just like that. They, do, joined, they joined us. Like, yeah, yeah, it was great. You have had um, some health problems connected to chemical. Mm. Um, what type of things can't you work with anymore uh, because of that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know where it started, but basically just I've had excessive chemical usage over the years from a very early age being around it. It was sort of when they didn't mean anything. There was never such a thing as PPE on chemicals. We grew up and, and yeah, I think it just got to the level where my body just won't reject it or I won't, wouldn't do it anymore. And that's, that's been a big driver of what we do now. Like I just, 
it's to use chemicals would be an absolute last resort and, and sort of getting to the point now where I just where I just refuse to do it. And, and I'm not organic and I have no intention of being organic, but it's just that way. And especially things like uh, fly control on cattle, that, that would have been a big issue because I, for some reason, that, that one I'm susceptible to as far as um, yeah, re rejecting that chemical. I can't handle it at all. Why, I don't know. So I, I use organic um, products on it with some limited success. But yeah, it was good what you said to me today, Jane, about how we could address that um, yeah. and, 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 and try and get around that problem that without having to use synthetics. Um, the, and, and the other side of that too is then it's so detrimental to dung beetles and and going back to what's your soils doing, you know, and, and we've got to look after things like that. They're, so it's a balancing act up until now to try and figure it out, and, and it's something that I was really frustrated with. But, um, but, but having that conversation was a, definitely uh, well, it, it, worth, it was worth a lot to me today to hear that from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I know that you're over sowing, so you're not spraying anything out. Tell me how you are adding these extra plants to your pasture yeah well that's something that I, I struggled with to start with so it was it used to be a spray then it was like this real light cultivation trying just just to suppress things not not to go too deep and it was still not right and and, and so now I've got to the point where it, I learned that it's more about uh, timing timing is so critical so if you're doing an autumn plant it's you know your, your summer species are coming to the end so that like the, the c4s or whatever they are they just they're getting towards the end of their heading towards their dormancy so you know you don't go too early because you get some, um, you'll get some, too much competition from them same in the spring we found if if you go too late you've got too much competition from summer if you want to do a summer over so and timing's critical and you just got to get a feel for it and no two seasons are the same so if you did it on the first of october for a summer plant here doesn't mean next year you're going to have to do it on the first of October. It's just it's the season will tell you, and that, you know, in the way the seasons run nowadays, it could be any time. So you've just got to be prepared. You know, a month either side of that. Yeah, and the plants will tend to find you. That's right. Yeah. You can see it, and, and, if, and if you think, well, you can start to see a few summer plants like species starting to stick their head noses up. You think, well, you better get a hurry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the same in the winter. You know, like if things are still powering along, well, you think, well, I'll just hold off a little bit longer. But if, if things are steadying up, well, it's less, less time to start drilling. You know, yeah. Just get, get drill straight in there, and and it just it just works so much quicker once once that's happening. And your first grazing it might look rough. You know, like in the old days, everyone wouldn't have the nice perfect paddock of oats or ryegrass in, in a monoculture or mine. It's like the first grazing. I've got photos of there last year, and there's still rose grass all through it and in amongst the ryegrass. And, and to me, that looks great now, but from an outsider, they'd think, what a mess. So, so your neat has now changed. Yeah, yeah, different type of neat now. You know? <laughs> uh, and the more rugged it looks, the better it'll probably be functioning. So, yeah, yeah it looks beautiful, really, with yeah. that diversity. Yeah, and then you think, well, if you're doing your first graze in the winter and you've planted 13 species in there and you've still got five or six left over from summer, that's that's not a bad mix. And, you know, so a third of your, your planting's free. Sort yeah. of thing. So it's it's working, and it's and that's that's what I enjoy now. And mm. and you know the cattle, right? you see them in there, and they, it's just it's it's like their birthday today. They go in there. So. Yeah, once well, the diversity, they're yeah. in different, you know, mm. different. Well, they're actually getting different biology from their different plants. It's different right. nutrition from the different plants. That's um, right. Which is a bit like the free choice system that I used to work with. Work with vitamin supplements. We don't need those. We just work yeah. with the plants. That's right. Nice and natural. Yeah. yeah but it's interesting. Like I actually had a, a vet here, and he was just growing a, 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 a um, just a single species of grass in fairly high intensity, and he was shocked. Like and, and amazingly smart man, and he just he said to me. Oh, you're just giving them a choice. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. He could not believe that you could mix all these species together just to get like a nutritional balance for the livestock. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I thought that was a, that was a bit unique. So, That's good. That's yeah. good. Uh, what about any insect attack? Has that changed at all since you've reduced your sink groups here? Were you having an insect attack now? Yeah, it's interesting. So from where we started, like well, I said, when we first realize just like just through management you can stop things like uh, you know sap, like sapping insects attacks um, like jacids and aphids and, and, and loose and, and coming up here we don't do hay anymore i've still got all the hay gear but i don't do it and, and um but i've still got a lot of loosen in the mix 
and, and it's interesting to watch it now. Like you'll see the insects come through the same ones, the jasid aphids, all of those sort of things, leaf roller. They'll come in and, uh, but there's never got to the point where anymore that I have to worry about it. Like they'll do it, they'll come in and you'll see them come and you'll see them go. But they, I'm still not any leaf loss. I don't have the problems that I used to have. So, you know, that, that's all plant health that's doing that. Like it's, and, and having a, um, growing amongst other species, I'm, I'm sure that's just having this beneficial like, uh, effect on all the plants, having other insects in there, plenty of beneficial insects doing the job to suppress any problems or balancing out any problems would be the better word. Yeah. You're loose and absolutely loves being in that body species, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you see the way it goes, and and I think like the way it grows now and what I do to it compared to how I used to do it to try and get high production, and you think like I get so the loose and is ten times better than what it used to look, and, and and that's when I was looking after it back then, and, and now I just let it go, and yeah, it, it certainly. You're still looking after it. You're still looking after it in a different way, way Jane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll correct that. <laughs> It's you know a, what I'm like. You've learned a lot about yeah, me. Yeah, I've learned today. a lot today. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I, I, I just let them get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Best way to describe. Yeah. 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 And Alicia, your um, wife, yeah. she works off farm, but she does love the farm. Um, how does she get involved in the farm? Yeah, well, she um, fairly busy all the time, but her, her passion at the moment is bees. So it's it's an amazing uh, little journey she's been on with bees. Um, she's got a nice little. Um, uh, enterprise going on the side and it just complements what we do because every beekeeper one of their biggest issues is what are you going to feed them if things get dry and, and we looked at what we've got going here and, and, and especially uh, the clovers and the loosens when they flower because you're grazing not everything gets grazed every grazing so there's always flowers on the go and so the bees they've just got a smaller sport every day Free choice. Free choice. They head out and they've got everything they need. Yeah. And it's funny to look at the honey, like, and, and to go through the, the frames of actually some of the, some of honey. Uh, some of the honey is dark, others is light, and you're just like, we, we, we still haven't worked out where everything's coming from. But the bees are obviously got, um, you know, a selection process in place. Certain hives are liking certain um, pollinators or whatever. And it, it's interesting. I just thought that, that's fascinating. They, they're all going very little distance, but they're all coming back with different types of honey. So, mm. yeah, from different Again, yeah, they know what they're doing. They know they? what they want, yeah. Yep. But it's, and I'm at least you had all the jars lined up on the table there one day, and dark light, dark medium. So it's just, it's just amazing. And it all came out of the one hive. Yeah. yeah off, off a flow hive, like with a different, with a different, um, 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 what do you call them? Um, anyway, the different parts of the hive. Yeah, yeah the... I don't know what they're called. Frames, either, sorry. Frames, frames. Yes, frames. frames. Obviously, I, you can tell I don't do the bees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ask you, do you do much with the bees? At no, not at all. No, no. That's that's Alicia's thing, and yeah, yeah um, I'll, um, I just I'm just make sure that they've got food. That's that's my I find that my job. Yeah. I think, um, and I'm quite happy to do that. And it's interesting. Like I say that, but I don't really have to do anything different. Of what we're already doing, we're just and it, and you can just say we're working with nature big time. Yeah, yeah. we're just we're just it's just another compliment in the system. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What's your next steps in dreams for the farm? I would like to introduce more species, like like animals, so another production side. I don't know how, wet or what yet. I'd also like to increase what we're doing. So probably wouldn't say increase production, but probably... Add diversity? Add diversity, yeah, through the different stock. That's something we'd like to do. Um, we know you have a few sheep out. Yeah, you got some sheep. Yeah. Nothing serious. No, no, just but that's it's, yeah, that's something. And there's there's a there's a million things you could do. I mean, what we choose to do, I don't know, but there's definitely some things we'd like to change, and that'll all just add to the system. You know, if we can just get more different types of livestock. Same thing. It's just a multi-species of livestock. With you know anyone that does regen knows that how beneficial that is. So they, they, we can never say no to anything. It's mm. just what what we will find that will work for us, and complement our lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do the kids get involved at all? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, the eldest son, he's thirteen now, and he um, he's doing ag at school. And and, and the, the teacher last year asked him who he's doing ag, and she uh, he said yes, and she said, oh, that's great. We need you there because he can talk about regen. So, and I, I don't. Well, I guess I talk a fair bit about it because. Um, it's sometimes it's interesting to listen to him. He, he just stands in the background and doesn't ask many questions, but he's taken a lot in. So, it, and it makes me feel good that 
the youngest ones when we were making some bioferts at one stage there and, and, and uh, they were going to school and telling them how they made fertiliser on the weekend. And, uh, and the second eldest boy, he uh, had a little plot growing at the school. They had plots there that they could put plants in. And, and the other, and he had his best mate was growing wheat. And it's funny, he said, oh, we'll grow some wheat. So he got some wheat and it came in, it was pink. It was being, of course, yeah. it was coated with all the, the, the industrial insects or whatever it was and, and I, I grabbed some of ours which was just of course uncoated and we got some worm juice and a bit of fish and, and he had one end of the garden and uh, the other boy had the other half and so I thought they didn't realise it but we're just doing a bit of an experiment here yeah. so so they, they planted them and watered them up and they and his the other boys took off and ours was there and, and, and the, Ben the middle boy he's like oh it's not going as well and I said just, just leave it give it time and when I got up a bit, I said, right, and I gave him a little bottle of um, worm extract. I said, go in there and put that in a watering can and give it the water. And we did that and away they went. And, and it's interesting, the crops grew up and then it got to the point the other one just stopped. And then his just kept going and going. And his, then he was starting to worry. He said, it, it, it hasn't dried out. It's, you know, when am I going to get a, a decent head? I said, <laughs> <laughs> just give it time. And anyway, they didn't realise. But then, um, yeah, it was just an, an experiment we did. And, and I thought, oh, it would be nice that if other kids had actually seen that or knew what was going on. But, uh, yeah. And I thought, well, that's a great way for kids to learn. I yeah. think. And they're, they're learning that now. Like a, 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 he was only 11 doing that. And I'm thinking that, that's what it's all about. That's the next generation coming on. And he's going to grow up. Only knowing that any fertiliser to use is something that you could make or, or a natural base or something like that and, and not, not something you have to buy from a, from a warehouse or something like that. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. That's, ama that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, your, your hopes for the group, so the CQLA group, um, do you see, uh, yesterday I think it's going to grow, I think it's definitely going to grow, mm. <laughs> um, because they saw, you know, what, what type of things that you guys were looking into and the absolute enthusiasm of your group. Mm. Um, what's your dreams for it? What do you see happening? Yeah, uh, yeah Nicola, I, like you, you've got to dream big. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't cost anything and you've got to do it. And, and I, I just love the group and I love the people we've got in it. And, and to have that together, and we've been a couple of years now and, and we just all get along. Um, and I was only just saying to one of the other members yesterday, it doesn't matter who's not here because a couple of members weren't there that are vital to the group, but we still got the job done. And I think that's that's a real strength that we've got that we can there's no one person in charge as such. Like you've got your different positions, but everyone can step up when they have to. So it's good to see that, and I think that's a really good core to have. That's something we can take forward. And, and I think that like the vision we have is just to just to keep growing, to try and get more farmers across, and help them assist them to get them onto this regenerative path. Um, I know we're not going to get everyone, but I just think that more people we can help. And it's not just that, it's to rebuild the communities. And that's what we said earlier about what Emma was doing. It's so vital to get that human health aspect back into it. It's something that um, I'm very passionate about, especially when you can go like from not only just talking about gut health, but that's connected to the mental health. And, and you know, communities have suffered enough over the years. And I think that's something that we need to play a part as, as a group bring back that community and get that strength and, and get people talking about it. Um, so, you know, bring back healthy food and, and, and um, bring, getting healthy lifestyles back into farming systems. And that's where Regen comes into it because it's, we're about growing things. It's not about um, destroying anything anymore. And just that mindset alone just changes it. Bring the fun back into it. That's one of our... Our requirements to be in our committee that you have to have a sense of humour. So, you all do. Yes, <laughs> and we got to live up to that. Yeah, so don't show up if you're in a bad mood. So, <laughs> and that's fine if you have, but that's but that's what we've got to have. Yeah, yeah. you got to and you got to have that bit of fun in your and, and, and to make it enjoyable. And just it's not hard work when you're enjoying it. So, but, so yeah, that's where we want to go. We just want to keep growing it with good people and get as many people on board to support them and and, and down this really going to be far. Yeah. I saw uh, there was a lot of people that said, I'm going to connect with Emma because I, I really want to learn about this gut health. I've got a teenager who's got anxiety or depression or they might have things going on. And I had a lot of people see connecting with Jane, like the number of people that I see that they're going to call her about um, working on themselves before mm. they can start working in this energetic space. Mm. So just this amazing open group. It's like they've already made that transition off the synthetics. They know 
that that life force energy is so important, diversity is important, and now they're going, okay, my health is important, and how I think and yeah. feel. That's right. And make intuitive decisions is important too. That's right. Yeah, and Emma, when, like, when she worked with me originally there, that's when I first met her, and you know, she made that comment, Dale, like, I don't know how you can make a good decision when you're feeling the way you do. I think, well, that, that's a bit in that. Like, well, how can we be good farmers if we're struggling ourselves? Mm. And uh, and I think that was, that was something. And interesting, at the last workshop we did, we got Emma to do us. Yeah, it was only a five minute speech, but afterwards, you know, there's like there was women coming up there, and I said, oh, could, could I, need, I need to know more because my husband he's struggling, he's suffering, you know, whether it's chemical exposure, whatever it might be. But they're, they're too proud to say anything, and I think, well, we're getting through, you know, we're, we're breaking that barrier down, so, and I think that was great, and that's why, after that, that was a spur of the moment, just a bit of a filler in the, in the event, and that's when I realised, like, we need to get Emma on the main stage, not just a filler, and when I saw the response that we got from people, um, yeah, just, and, and then, yeah, people just coming up afterwards and just, oh, I need to talk to you, I need, we need help, and, and really, they just don't know where to go, and it's that, that, um, just that expectations of community still, that, that stigma that, you know, we can't open up too much. We, you know, we need to break that down. And, and I, we did that yesterday in a big way, I think. We yeah. really did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, I asked the crowd of, I don't know, was it 70, 80 was, people? Yeah, 80 something, 80 something people. I said, who now feels more free? And so many hands went up. And I said, who's feeling frustrated? Because sometimes people feel frustrated. Mm. They're like, oh, you can't do this. This isn't possible. I've tried it. It doesn't work and no one raised their hand. They may have been there just feeling, you know, and they didn't say anything. And didn't feel comfortable to put their hand up. Yeah, potentially. And it's okay to have people yeah. feel frustrated yeah. because that's what brings these discussions out and you can move through that and grow even more. Um, but what a group, you yeah. know. And yeah. if people want to get involved, Dale, how do they contact the group? Yeah, they can. Um, so we're on online there. So it's Central Queensland Landscape Alliance. Um, yeah, on Facebook as well. So, yeah, we can just... Um, send us, shoot us an email and more than happy to have anyone on board and where we just try to run three main events a year and, and two smaller ones so, we, so we're also doing the farm walks like get that community group happening and so that's that's what we're trying to do and, 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 and bring a real benefit to, to members to, to I liken your group to Vic No Till down in Victoria they're an amazing group and I can see that Queensland can grow a group like that and it really is from the top of Queensland to the bottom of Queensland. You had people coming from Brisbane mm. and all over. Yeah. And four out, four or five hours out west. Yeah. And one thing I, I will say, like our group, we're not we're not there to outcompete any other group or anything else. And we're actually talking to other regenerative groups at the moment about doing partnerships again, just like we've done with Nutrisoil. Like, I mean, that was just an absolute outstanding success. I, I just couldn't believe this, how well that worked. So that's given us inspiration to go further and talk with other regen groups. So we're all there to share a good story and, and communicate. It's not about one being better than the other. And, and I often say that we're not, no, no one's better than anyone else in this. It's just that some are further down the journey, the regen journey than others, but that doesn't make them a better person than the next person that's on board. But we're all, we're all just trying to get there and we're all trying to make a better place. Well, you're an amazing group of people and you're attracting amazing people mm. uh, to your group. So it's wonderful. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. <laughs>follow the Biological Farming Roundtable podcast. Share it with your friends and networks. I'm Nicola Maddock and I work at Nutrisoil, a liquid biological fertiliser made from a big worm farm whose purpose is to empower farmers to produce life-enriching food.